0: seize the day, which is why we have been in this series called my near-death experiment. It's not because we're morbid. It's not because we're downers. We want to help you. We want to help each other think about the reality that one day that will be true of you. One day that will be your reality. We all, at some point, will come to the end of our lives. We don't know when that's going to be, but in the meantime, we can choose how we will live and so we've been talking in this series maybe you're just joining us for the first time welcome maybe you've been around for the ride but we've been talking in this series we started out by saying wake up to the reality that God is with you and that he has something for you and the second week we talked about living for what matters most that there are some things that don't really matter that much and that there are other things that are of like the ultimate importance what is your life revolving around and then last week we talked about eulogy that there is something specific for you That God has something for you uniquely. That we all were designed by him. We're all humans. We have certain things in common. And yet, he has wired you to accomplish something unique with your life in the time that he gives you. What is that? So today, we're going to be taking a look at one of the primary ways that we inform this life. One of the primary ways that we collaborate with God in creating the life that he would have for us. So, if you have, uh, you know fantasy football that you're concerned about or things like that, give it a quick check and then put it away uh, because we will be going on a journey for the next few minutes. We will have the pancakes and the sauce. It's all delicious, by the way. And we will get there. You, you know, we'll, that's going to happen. But I'm going to take you on this little journey for the next few minutes. We're going to power through some different Bible verses uh, there's different ways that you can look at the scripture, and today we're going to be doing it maybe slightly differently than we have in the past. You can, when, when you're studying scripture or when someone's uh, speaking from a stage like this, you can look at just like one little verse or a phrase and just like go into that and spend 30 minutes just kind of dissecting that phrase from the Bible, or... You can look at a, and go through an entire book, and you can just go, boom, chapter by chapter, chunk by chunk, paragraph by paragraph, and you can work your way through a book. We're going to be doing that later this year through Luke, talking about the misconceptions of God that many of us have. But today, we're going to look at a theme, a theme that is present throughout Scripture, a theme that God wants to very clearly, I think, illuminate for us today that will have a profound impact on how we Live, And so I thought it would be appropriate if we go to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1. If you're new to your Bible, you kind of go to the table of context, turn up to contents, turn a page, and you're there. It's the first little piece of this big Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Verse 3. And God said, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. So I'm going to need you to play along a little bit. Uh, God starts, and there's nothing else. And then he speaks, and there's something. He says, let there be light, and then there was Light. There was nothing, and then there's something. Let's go on, verse 6. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water from water and the vault uh, from the water above. And it was so. God God called the vault sky. He gives it a name. So we have a God who speaks, and what he says happens. And he creates light, and he calls it light. And he creates an expanse between waters, and he calls it sky. He he gives names. And then God said, let there be water under the sky. Let it be gathered into one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. So I just want you to see what we have here. Hopefully, Hopefully you're tracking God speaks, and something happens, and then he gives it a name. So throughout, in in this beginning, we have have water, we have seas, we have sky, we have ground. And he's speaking, and he's bringing something to be which was not before. And he does that, as you you know, over the course of Scripture, he does that in other people's lives. He does it with names. He takes a person, and they have one name, and he gives them a new name. There's a guy named Abram, and he says, your name's going to be Abraham. There's a guy named Saul, and he says your name's gonna be Paul. Because not just like, you know, Derek and I wanna be Derek, you know, it's like it's like you you have you have this life in this way and this and this name, and now I'm giving you a new life in a new way, and I'm gonna I'm changing from this old way to this new way, and so I'm giving you a new name to live the life that I have intended for you. He he brings something from nothing, he speaks life in and he gives new names. That's the God that you serve. So, in general, ladies and gentlemen, words create worlds. Words create worlds. And you serve a God who speaks and something that wasn't now is. And he speaks... And something that was something else becomes something better and more. Words create worlds. Now you may be like, okay, I can kind of see where you're getting at. Um, But in real practical life, it's, it's easy. It's actually, you look all around you and you see it's actually true in our practical American life as well. Nothing great has ever been created without someone first deciding and saying that this should take place or that this should exist. Look at your iPhone. Look at your iPad. I was watching uh, a news thing this week, and it was uh, Richard Branson, and he was talking about how in the very near future, in the next few years, he's got these private space shuttles that are going to take people up into space. You could go for the right price if you trusted Richard Branson with your life. We also have people in our very church that work for some other companies in the area that are achieving the same ends. And in a few short years, because someone once said this could be, because someone once said we could go to the moon, because someone once decided that maybe this should happen or was possible, it will happen. And people will be taking these flights up. And Richard Branson went further and he said, in the not-too-distant future, we're going to have Virgin Hotels, that's his company, all the Virgin companies, Virgin Hotels in space and I will take you up in a shuttle, and now you will will hang out in this hotel in space, and you can take day trips around the moon and other places. And it probably will happen. You can't think of anything else in your life and around us that didn't first start as an idea that someone spoke and said, this should be. And now you think, you know, there's, there's a cheesy example, too, that I saw this week of the, the State Farm commercial where the guys are, like, in the car and the buffalo's hitting it, and they're like, uh, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there, in my office. You know, and that one or like, or like, with a hot tub, or that, you know, that's silly. And there's ways that you can, like, explore and, and tease this idea out and make it ridiculous. And yet it is birthed from the truth that we serve a God who speaks things into existence that is the God who created you. That is the God who knew your name before he created you. That is the God who knew the hairs on your head in this moment before he created you. That is the God who has something specific for you in this life. He's the God who speaks things into being. Isaiah 55 says, "'As the rain and the snow come down from heaven "'and do not return to it without watering the earth "'and making it bud and flourish,' So that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So my word, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish, look it, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purposes for which I sent it. Did you know that your God has a purpose for his word? That when he speaks, his words go out and accomplish something. What do your words accomplish? What are your words doing? If your words that you spoke this morning or this week are out there, are they doing something that you're proud of? I think for some of us, we understand the power of this already, before I even go any further, because you have had people speak certain words into your mind that are still doing something today. They are still, perhaps, torturing you today. They are still holding you down today. They are like tapes that play in your mind and prevent you from stepping out in faith or risking something or believing something could be true because someone, in a sense, kind of cursed you with words that just run in your mind and you believe something that is not true about you. And your experience of life is limited because of words. Or perhaps the opposite is your experience and people have spoken something into you that it's still doing a good work today. Some kind of encouragement that is still inspiring, that is still drawing on you, that is is still causing you to get up and to trust and to believe that something great could be for your life. Words create worlds. Your God speaks with purpose. How do you speak? Paul's referencing Abraham, or Father Abraham, and when he says in Romans 4, it is written, I have made you father of many nations. And Paul says about Abraham, he is our father in the sight of God, whom he believed. Now, say this before we read the next part. Paul is saying, Abraham, he is our kind of like father patriarch guy, because God told him a long time ago that he would give him a nation that would come from his offspring. And when he told him that, Abraham was really old and didn't have any kids. And yet Abraham believed. And those words that God spoke to him became reality. And the entire Jewish nation and all of us come from that heritage. in the spiritual, because Jesus did. Because he believed what God said. And I look at the dash. It says, then, or the God who... Abraham believed the God who gives life to the dead, and get this, and calls into being things that were not. Did you know that you serve a God who speaks things into being that were not? Who speaks and breathes life into dead things? Who speaks and the impossible all of a sudden is a reality? That is the God who created you. That is the God that we serve. That is the God that we sing to and celebrate. Words create worlds. Jesus, when he was walking the face of the earth, he had some friends, and more than just his disciples and all the crowds that followed him, he had some friends, and I I spoke about them recently, Mary and Martha, they had a brother, Mary and Martha had a brother, and they lived in a town, and Jesus was in another town, he was doing his Jesus thing, healing and doing crazy ministry stuff over here, and they sent word to him, and they said, hey, Jesus, remember us, you love us, we're friends, well, our brother Lazarus is really sick. And he's going to die if you don't get here fast. But we believe that you're God and you can heal him. You can heal him. And so come. And so they sent word and Jesus was like, yeah, touch with compassion. I'm going to go do something about this. But he waited first for two days before he went. And then it was a long walk to this town. And so when he finally gets there, Lazarus, his friend, has been dead for several days. And Mary and Martha are devastated. They're weeping. They're crying. They see Jesus and they're like, man, couldn't you have come earlier? He's already dead now. Couldn't you have come and saved him? Like, aren't we friends? Aren't we tight like that? Like, would it have been that hard to just leave a little bit sooner and come and save a life? Why didn't you? And Jesus says, you know, this is playing out for a purpose. And he goes to where Lazarus is buried. And there's a, there's a stone that's in the way, tombs the way they used to bury people in this rock tomb, and he says, remove the stone, and everyone's like, what? You're crazy, dude. It's gonna stink. This dude's been dead several days. Dead people smell bad, and Jesus says, remove the stone, and the Bible says about this story, so they took the stone away. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus knows that the Father always hears him. He doesn't even have to talk out loud, and God knows. And yet he says, I'm speaking out loud for the sake of everyone else around me. He's setting an example for you and for me about our relationship and the kind of faith that we can have in this same God. He's saying, what I'm about to do, what I'm about to, this is what I want them to see so that they believe. Is your speech, are your prayers are an, an example to others. Jesus says, I'm just saying this for the benefit of those around me. And then he says this, when, verse 43, when he had said this, then Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. Dang. Up to that point, Jesus has done some crazy stuff, like healed blind people and people that couldn't walk, he made them walk. And, and he like multiplied bread and fish, mind-boggling stuff. Like the rumors about Jesus were circulating everywhere and people were blown away. But when this happened, I think that the people around were looking for Ashton Kutcher and some like hidden cameras. Am I getting punked? This can't be real. Like this other thing, but he just... That guy was dead two minutes ago. In fact, you know, the the stuff he's wearing still stinks. That guy was just in that tomb dead. And it says, Jesus said in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now, interesting. I've been to some cemeteries. And my experience at every cemetery that I've been to is that they're pretty quiet. And what happens when you go into a a room, to a party, to a restaurant, to some kind of experience, and you walk in and the music's down and no one's there, and it's not what you expected it to be. There's no energy. You walk in, you've had this experience, and you've said, this place is dead. Because it's subdued because there's no signs of life. Interesting to me that when Jesus brings life to this quiet dead place, he raises his voice and says, Lazarus, come out. And I wonder if maybe in some area, if you look for it in your life, Jesus, God is raising his voice and saying, I want to bring this dead thing to life. You're tolerating this death thing in your life too long. I have in mind to bring newness, to bring life to this. Proverbs eighteen twenty one says that the tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. Do you have a tongue? You have the power in your words and your speech of life and death and you know this you have experienced this people have spoken life over you and they have spoken dead words negativity over you our words have power and I want to talk about one specific word. As I've prayed for us and for what God, will, I believe, want to do today and what he's doing in this near-death experiment series, and if there was one word that I thought kind of captured what we want to be about as we, move, in, as we kind of move into the last leg of this series, it's the word sozo. Sozo is a word you might not be familiar with. It's a Greek word. And it's usually tra- translated save. To save. But, like if you remember the Princess Bride and the guy who kept saying inconceivable and then his buddy said, I don't think that word means what you think it means (laughs) because you keep using it and then things keep happening. I don't think that we fully understand this idea of what it is to be saved to save, that we might not have it right. We think, we think, if you're like me, we grew up thinking maybe, or, or maybe you've heard or seen movies or, or, or heard and seen on TV, people say saved, and it's this thing like I pray a prayer, I check a box, and now I have fire insurance from hell, and one day I'm going to be in heaven, and that'll be great, and then and, uh, I'm saved. And if someone else says, hey, hey, you need to come up here and be saved, you're like, I want to be saved, so I, I don't want hell, so I'm going to come up and I'm going to do the thing, and I'm going to send the money, and I'm going to check the box, and I'm going to, right? And we think about it in those terms, but the word means a lot more than that. Matthew 121, talking about Mary, who's giving birth to Jesus, it says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will sozo, he will save his people from their sins. So in this case, you have this spiritual kind of eternal thing. There is a way to not be saved and a way to be saved. And Jesus, God, the one who spoke and things were created, is coming into this world to save it for eternity. That's who this guy is. And it goes, Matthew 9 says... She herself said, If I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. There's a woman who's very sick and she's bleeding, and she hears about this Jesus, and she thinks, If I can just get close to this guy, I think people say that he's God. And if he's the same God who speaks creation into being, if he's the same God who speaks and nothing now is something, then maybe if I just touch the hem of his cloak, maybe just his clothes, then I'll be sozoed. I'll be healed. And then Peter is out in a boat one time, and Jesus, he sees him walking on on the water, which is kind of a big deal. Uh, Jesus walking on water, and Peter says, that's amazing. Uh, Can you teach me how? And he says, yeah, come on, come on, come on out on the water. And so Peter then is actually walking on the water for some steps, and then all of a sudden he realizes that there's waves crashing and that there's a big storm above him, and he takes his eyes off of Jesus, and he thinks about all this, and he starts to sink And as he he begins to sink, he panics, and he says, Jesus, Lord, sozo me. Lord, rescue me. Lord, save me. And in a very practical, very in-the-moment, a very right-now kind of way, he he says, Lord, save me. Save me. I'm going to drown. I'm in trouble. This isn't working. My life isn't working. Things are going down fast. I thought I was stepping out in faith towards you, and this is not going the way I planned. Rescue me. Sozo me. Save me. And then Jesus said about himself, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. To sozo that which was lost. In this way, meaning to find, to bring back, to restore, to bring in, to sozo, those who are on the outside, those who have wandered away, those who aren't getting it, those who are disconnected, to sozo, to bring in, to save, to rescue. And then the famous John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be sozoed through him. So he did not send he did not come to judge the world to condemn the world, but to sozo, to save. So so this is what I mean. This, the word is not just about praying a prayer one time and having a box checked and then, and then you're saved and you don't have to worry about hell. And that's, that's one thing and that's fine. But it's more than that. There's a rescuing all the time. There's a healing. There's an ongoing connection. There's a restoration. You see, the same God who spoke creation into being When the world got sideways and humans rebelled against this God and then entered sin and brokenness and the mess that we see, this same God has been recreating ever since. This same God still speaks. And he speaks newness of life. And he speaks to his original design and his intention for you for me, for us. It's not just about praying a prayer for one day. It's about being saved all the time. It's about being rescued. It's about relationship with him. It's about his original design that he's trying, that he is in the process of restoring. So then when we say, when we say verses like this in Romans 10, when we say, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be sozoed. You will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew or Gentile, no difference between the religious and the non religious, the people outside this room, the people inside this room. We're all the same, ultimately. It's the same Lord of all who richly blesses those who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be sozoed, will be saved. So look at what we see here. The God who spoke creation and all things into being, the God who said something and what wasn't then is, says to you and to me that when we speak, and call on his name, that begins this process of recreation in you, in me, and then through us in this world around us. Your words matter. Your words matter. We serve a God who is still speaking new things into life a God who is still breathing new life into us. Now, I have experienced this because there, have been, there has been times, a season in my life, one season in particular, where I was, I was out of it. I thought that my life couldn't get any worse. I was on this track, and then all of a sudden I was upside down. I didn't know which way to go, what to do. And I had some people that showed up and said certain things that were not life-giving out of their own issues and whatever else. And I know what it is to have some of those words kind of speak death over you, over me, and haunt me, and make me discouraged, and feel like, man, yeah, this is, I guess I am just screwed, I'm done. And I also know other people that God brought around me to speak life into me, to speak truth when I needed it, to breathe newness and life and hope into me, to help me believe that there was more, that there could be a new creation, that there could be a new start, that there could be new life for me. Many of you know what that is. Many of you experienced that when someone brought you to church for the first time or introduced you to God for the first time or came alongside of you in your darkest place in a really difficult place in your life, and gave you hope, and spoke life and newness and possibility into you, many of you have experienced that. Words create worlds, and your words matter. Hillary and I have a uh, eight-month-old now, Jack. He's, uh, he's cute, and so I've been paying more attention to, like, parenting stuff. And I've seen some parents that have younger kids. Their kids are starting to talk. And so I, it's going to be fun when Jack starts to talk instead of just, like, you know, make the noises that he makes now, which are cute too. But it'll be fun when he talks. And when I've seen other kids talking and their parents are kind of, like, giving them instruction and, and telling them kind of what words mean what and, and how to ask for food and how to connect in these different ways and, and saying you know, I've, you've got words now. Let's use them. And have you heard heard a parent, and maybe you've done this, say to the kid who's having a little tantrum and just crying and beating on the floor, little Johnny, use your words. Have you heard that? Use your words. Like I've taught you some words. Communicate with me. We're gonna make it through. We're gonna gonna advance past this little situation here, but you've gotta communicate. You've gotta talk. Use your words. And so sometimes when... uh, you know, even though Jack doesn't, he doesn't have words yet, um, Hillary does. And when Hillary is pouting and, and acting and, you know, whatever, and I might just say to Hillary, Hillary, use your words. <laughs> well, let's talk about this. Let's get through this. And that usually doesn't go well, but it's funny. And, <laughs> but what I wanted to say to you is, use your words. Use your words. That when they go out, they accomplish something that is in line with the so-so recreating newness of life work that God is doing in you and in others and in this world around us. Use your words. And then we end where we began. In Genesis chapter 1, with then God said... Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Did you know? that you have the creative gene from your Heavenly Father. Did you know, created in God's image, you play a role in creating new things? Some of you that are entrepreneurs or teachers, it's as easy to see. If you're in a classroom, you are creating newness in that classroom. You are are creating newness new life and possibilities for kids. You know that if you've started a business. You know that if you're an artist. You have the creative gene. You are like your heavenly father. You can participate with him in bringing new things to be. If you're not sure, even think about your own family. You're creating worlds in your home with your words. What does that look like? Your words are creating worlds at work. You're creating the environments you're in with the beliefs that you have and the words that you speak. Use your words. I was meeting with someone this week and we were... Um, he is a doctor and we were talking about his work and he specializes in helping people that are in excruciating pain and so he helps medicate but also helps rehabilitate and get them beyond their pain this is a man who's dedicated his life to helping restore to partnering with god and to speaking in and to believing that people could get well and to help them in their pain That is who you are in your different spheres of influence, in your different ways. You are partnering with God as he is recreating you and those around you. With every word that you say, you are bringing life or the opposite. There's a community here in Huntington Beach that you've probably heard of referred to as Slater Slums. It's a square, it's like a one square mile area up this way. Do you know the actual name that's been given to that community is Oakview Community? It's Oakview Community. And so from now on, for us as a church, we will only refer to it as Oakview Community. Because words matter. And because we are a church that is going to be doing something about that community and coming alongside and bringing hope and life in that community, and building relationships in that community, and letting God use us to remake things in that community. Our church is one who will bring life to this city, and this city and the people around will know of this church, and we will partner with God in his ongoing, redemptive, recreating, restoration work in the city around us, in the lives of people around us. Like he's already begun in you and in me, and that he desires to continue to do. And we'll start in this near-death experiment by using our words. So as you go out today, tomorrow, this week, and you go into your home, and you think about the words, and how you speak to your family, and your kids, and your spouse, and you think about what you believe in here, and how those words come out, and how you speak to people at work, and your neighbors, and when things frustrate you, think about what you're creating. Are you creating with God? And use this near-death experiment to be someone who partners with him, who makes the most of every opportunity, who makes the most of the time you have, who speaks like Robin Williams' character and infuses and breathes life into other people with the possibilities and the potential of what they can be, what you can be, and what we will be together here in this community. God, I pray that you would illuminate those things in us that need to change the ways we think about and the ways we use our words, that we can better partner with you with what you are desiring to do, that we can be a beacon of light and hope and newness of life in this community. Use us, God. Use us. Continue to change us for good and then use us to catalyze growth and new life and hope for others. In Jesus' name.